Today's episode is sponsored by More Labs. More Labs offers vegan and gluten-free supplements with proven ingredients to help you fight everyday stressors. Hangovers can be rough. Morning recovery is designed to reduce the negative effects after drinking and boost your body's natural response to post-alcohol recovery. Aqua Plus Probiotics and Aqua Plus Immunity are hydration mix options to help with gut health or immune health. Lacking energy? Check out Liquid Focus, a better-for-you energy drink that's designed to boost focus and provide clean, smooth energy. Sleep is the key to the best version of yourself, so try Dream Well, a holistic shot made to help you fall asleep quickly and give you a better night's rest. Can't decide? The Life Hack Pack is a variety pack containing their morning recovery, liquid focus, and dream well. Use the code GJWT to get 20% off when you check out at morelabs.com. That's GJWT at morelabs.com. Hello everyone, I'm Diana. And I'm Naomi. And this is Girls Just Want to Thrive. It's a lifestyle podcast where we talk to women who are thriving not only in their careers, but in life. We'll discuss current and relevant topics in beauty, wellness, dating and relationships, and self-care. We would love for you to join our new community for uplifting women from all walks of life. Don't forget to follow or subscribe to be the first to hear new episodes every week. Welcome back, everybody. Today, we have a special guest interview with certified nutrition and mindset coach, Laura Days. Laura, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. We're equally as excited to have you here. Well, we always like to start off these special guest interviews by the interview guests giving a little bit of background on themselves. So if you could give us some insight as to what you did before you started your venture into coaching. Yeah. Um, so I've done a lot. I will spare y'all the whole story. <laughs> we'd, we'd need several episodes. Um, I'm originally from Iowa. I went to school actually for music. Um, my undergraduate degree is in voice performance and music education. And my graduate degree is in voice performance with an emphasis in choral conducting. So I was all, I was going to be a professional musician. That was the, the whole plan from like age four on. Wow. <laughs> and I am still doing music. I'm a halftime middle school choir director and pre-COVID was singing professionally um, here. I'm in Dallas now, so around Dallas. Oh, um, yeah, which is great. Um, I was also always in sports, so I was kind of one of those anomaly kids that did music and sports from you know, as early as I can remember, all the way up through college when I was going to a music conservatory and was also on the softball team. So I've always kind of had these two different sides of career, hobbies, me, whatever you want to call it. Um, and at the ripe age of almost 33, I am still doing both. 
Wow. That's so- awesome that you're able to balance out both of those. That's very impressive. Thank you. I, you know, it's something. It's fun. It's a lot, but it's fun. <laughs> hey, so long as it's fun, that's all that matters. <laughs> so then what made you pursue a certification in nutrition coaching and mindset? That was kind of a weird, a lot of people have like this one thing happened and it really mm-hmm. made me take the leap. I didn't really have that. Mine was more of like a stair step. So I, like I said, I was always an athlete and I kind of, we ate healthy in my house growing up for the most part. Um, you know, we had like whole wheat pop tarts and <laughs> feel like we had the fun foods, but like the quote unquote healthy version of the fun yes. food. Um, couldn't buy cereal with more than, I think it was like 13 grams of sugar or something, ate vegetables, ate, like we knew what protein was, all of that. And I kind of just got away with eating whatever for most, most of my childhood. Um, and when I was in college started, I actually didn't play softball my first two years. And so all of a sudden I was like a four sport athlete doing all these things to eating in a dining hall where they had really good cookies and like not working out. And I had never worked out by myself before and didn't know what I was doing. So that kind of was the first time I was ever like, wow, maybe I should like do something, learn about food. I don't know, like (laughs) is it working? Like I don't feel like I used to feel or look how I used to look. So that kind of started the ball rolling very slowly um, and just kind of, you know, snowballed into like had some hormone issues. I always had really bad periods. And the only thing that I was ever recommended was to go on birth control, hated how I felt on hormonal birth control and went off of it and then was struggling with periods again, went back on it. So it was this constant battle of like, I don't like how I feel when I'm on it, but my periods are horrible when I'm not on it. There has to be something else. Got into running, ate vegan for two years, which was a whole disaster. Messed up my hormones even more than they were already messed up. Um, I will say though that that is what led me to um, know that I was intolerant to all dairy. So that was a a plus of being. Yes, I realized like, oh, these stomach aches I've had my whole life are actually not normal, and I can make them stop. So that was a plus hormones, not so much of a plus. And then got into, I was running, hurt my knee, got into yoga, did my yoga training, um, yoga teacher certification, I should say, um, and was really into yoga for a while. And that kind of wasn't enough. Like I I love yoga, but I was like, I need to be doing more. Decided CrossFit because why not? Um, (laughs) So I think all former athletes go through a CrossFit phase. It's so funny. I mean, I love it. I'm like, my body is not, not made for that anymore, but (laughs) I loved it. And actually I have, I have to give CrossFit a lot of credit for finally getting me to take this leap because that's where I kind of, for the first time ever saw people, but especially women just appreciating their bodies for what they did and not what they looked like. And it was never, people were not bragging about like, Oh my God, look at my abs or like, look at my biceps or I lost 10 pounds. It was like, bro, I just deadlifted 450. Like I just double had a double body weight back. That's so true. (laughs) Cool. And I was like, damn, this is awesome. And that's where I started to notice like, okay, but all these people are really jacked and I'm doing the same workouts and I still look like a string bean 
<laughs> so what's like, what gives? And right. that's what really like sparked my interest in learning more about nutrition. And I kind of put off the certification for a while and like tried counting macros and tried doing the zone diet and just basically started using my own body as an experiment to mm. learn and noticing how those things were impacting the way that I performed at the gym, how I felt, my periods. And after talking about this for like probably a year, finally in, I guess it was just last year in 2019, um, after 2020, it feels like a decade ago, uh, <laughs> but finally bit the bullet and did my precision nutrition certification. And that actually what I was just talking to a friend about this earlier today, the trigger for that was actually working with a really bad nutrition coach um, who was doing things that, again, I had very limited knowledge at this point, but I was like, these things don't seem right. And this is some red flags. Right. Yeah, like this doesn't feel right. And she's not listening to me. And none of this makes any sense. And I was like, I just, you know, I feel like I could do this better than she's doing it. Um, and I'm competitive. So like that was it. All it took was like I can do this better than she can. Game and on. So I don't know that I, well, I kind of know that I am. But um, yeah, so did my certification. I finished um, almost a year ago. Exactly. I finished in November of 2019. Nice. Um, actually started seeing clients a few months before I finished the certification. I did not intend to start this business, but I had people literally like on a wait list. Wow. That's awesome. People that were reaching out to me like, Hey, can you like help me with this? You seem like, you know, and I was like, Oh, I don't have a certification yet. And after talking to some people and coaches who had been in the biz for a while, they were like, listen, you just have to know more than they do. Which is so true, right? Like if I need right. help with math, I don't need to like seek a mathematician. Right. Um, I can just ask someone who's knows more than I do. And of course, up to a certain point that ends and there are reasons to outsource. I never would have taken on a client if they had like serious issues. And I was like, I don't know if I can help you. But once I was like, well, I at least need insurance. So I got insurance and then I was like, okay, I guess I'm a coach now. And now a year and a half later, I have group coaching programs and several one-on-one -on -one clients. I only have two spots open right now and like never saw this coming, but you know. That's so exciting. Yeah. It's been a ride for sure. So what exactly goes into the process of becoming a certified nutritionist? Great question. And one that really clients should be asking before they're hiring someone. Right. <laughs> um, this is not especially regulated. Um, I shouldn't necessarily say that. Different states have di different regulations. So for example, here in Texas, it is illegal for me as a nutrition coach or nutritionist or really anyone who is not a registered dietitian or a nutritional therapy practitioner to give meal plans. I cannot mm. give specific meal plans because that is prescribing something to someone. Mm -hmm. So I am not allowed. I can't do that. In some states, I could. I cannot in Texas. So there are several different certification programs. If just disclaimer, if you're listening to this and you have like really intense issues with like food intolerances or really bad reactions, I highly recommend seeing a registered dietitian and maybe even like a functional medicine registered dietitian. 
Um, and I do sometimes refer out in those cases, but you definitely want to work with someone who has a certification. My course that I did, Precision Nutrition, they're actually constantly updating. Um, I did, it's, it's like big, I have the book here, it's a big ass textbook. It's like 18 chapters and you read the chapter, watch a video, do a workbook, take a quiz for all 18 chapters. Oh, um, wow. And it really gets into, um, you know, the biology of our cells and how food impacts our bodies, the actual nutritional value of different foods, you know, what macro, different macronutrients and micronutrients do in our bodies. Those are the kinds of things that, you know, a really high level athlete probably doesn't know. And that is kind of where I got in trouble with that one coach that I was working with is she's a very high level athlete, super strong super jacked, didn't know shit about nutrition, but <laughs> giving people these meal plans. And I was like, oh, okay, this is awkward. The difference between a nutritionist and an RD, registered dietitian or registered dietitian nutritionist, is that they go through essentially like practicum hours. So okay. they're doing um, more hands-on working with clients, almost like an internship. Right. Okay. Of course, is amazing experience and which is why they get board certified and are able to take on patients in a different capacity. Mm -hmm. But what I would look for, if you're listening to this and you're like, I don't know who to hire, um, PN, Precision Nutrition, NASM, ISSA. I'm trying to think of some other good ones. I'm probably missing some. Anyone who's an NTP or an RD, but yeah, they should definitely have to pass a test. <laughs> like, yeah. One. Um, and we actually, for precision nutrition, have to retest every two years. So just to keep, make sure that we still remember everything and we know what we're doing to keep things relevant and up to date, we have to pass that final comprehensive exam every two years in order to keep our certification. That's good. So is there some sort of registrar or like a website in which people can go to see like the credentialing or the registration certification behind That's certain people that they're looking great up. Idea, and I don't know that that exists. Um, Precision Nutrition has their own database of okay. coaches, but it would be really cool to have just like a big directory of like nutritionists, RDs. What do they specialize in? What do they coach? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like, an idea. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So what are the common mistakes or misconceptions do you think you see in women when it comes to nutrition? Like what are they mostly eating the wrong foods or is it more like their mentality around food? A lot of it is mindset. Most of okay. it is mindset. And actually most of the women who come to me are not eating enough, which seems so counterintuitive. But if you think about it, if you continuously cut your calories, your body adjusts. And so at some point, like you will just, your vital organs will stop functioning. And when your calories get super low, your body has to do everything it can to save you. Like right. your body's job is to keep you safe and to keep you alive. So if you're not eating enough food, don't even try to get, don't think about trying to get stronger. Don't think about trying to get lean. Like your body is going to use every calorie you give it to keep your body functioning. Women who binge are usually not eating enough. And they think that 
you know, they're, they don't have enough willpower or something like that. And it's like, no, it's not willpower. Like you're starving during the week. And so on the weekends, your body is like, feed me, bitch. Like you start because <laughs> our brains run on glucose, which is sugar, mm-hmm. which is why we never crave like an avocado or right. chicken, you know, like you crave sugar and it's because our brains run on glucose. Um, so under eating is a big one. Mindset is a big one. And it's always so interesting because when people come to me, they think that their issues are with food mm-hmm. and they sometimes are. Um, they think they don't know what to eat or they they don't know how much to eat or they don't know when to eat or they don't know, you know, whatever. It's usually not that. It's usually that they're afraid of certain foods or they're not prioritizing other things in their lives. And so, you know, there's a lot of emotional eating involved when we're not dealing with all the other shit that we need to be dealing with. And food is a really easy coping mechanism. Mm -hmm. Um, It rarely has to do with just food, which is actually why I ended up adding the mindset um, portion of my title to nutrition and mindset coach, because I really wanted to make it clear, like, we're going to do some tough inner work here. We're not just going to talk about food. I'm not just going to tell you to eat more vegetables. Like (laughs) you might need to eat more vegetables, but if there are other issues, then until we take care of the shit that's going on inside, nothing on the outside really matters. Right. And I think it's very nice that you offer both sides of that. Yeah. They, they just, they go hand in hand. And that's why, you know, I, I realize that people don't know that this is an annoying question when they're like, oh, can you just give me a meal plan? But like I'm not, my, my new saying that I keep telling people is I'm a coach, not a cookbook. Right. Ooh, yeah. Meals, open a cookbook or hire a meal prep service. I know some really great meal prep services. That's not what I do. I'm a coach. Very good distinction. So with social media comes the many waves of diet fads that we're bombarded with. What are your overall thoughts on those? And which ones do you believe cause like more harm than good? Um, all of them cause more <laughs> harm than good. Um, the diet industry is a over an over $70 billion industry. And it's literally based on making women hate their bodies and telling Mm -hmm. them lies. I could probably start an entire podcast, not episode, podcast on the like debunking the diet industry bullshit. Um, And someone asked me about this recently and I tried to give, it was like on an Instagram Q&A. So I was like, wow, I don't have a lot of characters here. What can I give them to like implement and, you know, just some good pointers And I think I said, you know, number one, if it sounds too good to be true, then it is, you know, there's nothing fucking magical about celery juice. (laughs) And the person who started that fad, I like don't even want to give him credit because I don't want him to get the views on his Instagram. So I'm not even going to tell you who he is, but it is a person Mm. who has no background in medicine. They just receive information from a spirit Y'all, I'm not making this up. Okay. Information from a spirit. And then he gives that information to the world because he is a medium. That's safe. Okay. I thought you were going to say like a celery farmer or something. Nope. That would make way more (laughs) sense. That would make way more sense. Um, No, like this is a person who has absolutely no credentials and he has millions of followers 
because he gets them to buy into things like celery juice is going to fix your problems. Interesting. And my question is always like, well, why we've been eating celery. Like you think if you put it in a juicer, all of a sudden it's magic. (laughs) Again, if it sounds too good to be true, then it is. The other tips I have in, in, and like, God, it's so frustrating because we've just been inundated with this narrative that we have to do more or restrict more, or we just need more willpower. And that just simply is not the case. Eat foods that make you feel good. Don't eat foods that make you feel bad. I tell my clients, the only time I will ever tell you that you cannot have a food is if it makes you feel like garbage. Mm. I can't have dairy. I don't eat dairy because it makes me feel like garbage. If you tell me that dairy makes you feel like garbage and you keep eating it, we're going to have a conversation. (laughs) Because that, like, I, sorry, I can't help you if you're essentially, like, poisoning your body every day. Mm. Yeah. Um, so if it makes you feel good, eat it. If it doesn't make you feel good, don't eat it. No food is good. No food is bad. The example I give for that one is peanuts. I love peanut butter. It's my favorite food in the whole wide world. There are people who would literally die if they ate peanut butter because they're allergic. So again, like good foods, not good for everyone. Bad foods, it's moral value that we're giving to an inanimate object that we're going to eat and it's going to disappear. So yeah, I mean, intermittent fasting, we used to call it skipping breakfast. (laughs) Yeah, that's a big one that's happening in my area in South Carolina. People are all on the intermittent fasting train right now. Again, if you feel good, great. I wake up so hungry that I could eat my left arm. So (laughs) why would I ever like force myself to just be starving. Like a, my, I probably would not have a husband. Uh, <laughs> I probably would not have a job. Like it just, these things don't make sense. Mm. Um, you know, if it makes sense to you and it feels good, then you should do it. But truly, if you are eating nutrient dense foods, you're getting enough sleep, you're drinking enough water, you're taking care of the shit going on in your brain and your heart, then you're good. Like move your body. It's just not that hard. And the diet industry makes us question what we know is true. And then we feel stupid. And then we feel like a failure. And I'm going to stop talking about this now because I truly could talk about this for five hours. But (laughs) Everything you're saying, though, I feel like I've related to at some point in my life. Yeah, it's terrible. And I shouldn't just say just women because it does impact men as well. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think because of what else is put on women just by society, you know, things like having to be small and having to put other people first and having to be a mom and having to, you know, look petite and be dainty and like all of this bullshit, which people probably already know listening. I'm not very dainty, um, sailor, um, and I've gotten just as far as everyone else. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't have to be anything you're not. And, you know, frankly, I wanted to be a volleyball player. And so my 5'5 stature and like little toothpick just didn't get me where I was initially trying to go. Yeah, that wasn't going to cut it. (laughs) (laughs) So do you think there are any diets out there that are actually beneficial? Not necessarily. um, Okay, so people have a weird connotation with the word diet. So it depends. Our diet is just what we eat. I will say... um, 
if you have food intolerances or think you might have food or food intolerances, then going through an elimination diet can be really beneficial. Basically, what that means is you have a period of time where you eliminate all common allergens and inflammatory foods, dairy, alcohol, nightshades, grains, nuts, eggs, seafood, like you cut out anything that is a common allergen. Of course, we can have reactions to anything. So if you're having reactions to something weird, like I don't get along with kale, um, that's not something that you cut out during an elimination diet. So I wouldn't have been able to figure that out necessarily. But most most people are going to find that it's one of those common allergens. Then you reintroduce them really slowly, one at a time, so that you can see if you're having a reaction to one of them. An elimination diet, when done properly and hopefully with the help of a coach or an RD, can be really effective. But again, that's not long-term. That's just a short-term elimination to try to figure out if you're having adverse reactions to something. In terms of like following a diet that diet industry is telling us to follow, my words of advice are if you cannot see yourself doing this quote unquote diet for the rest of your life, then don't do it. Mm. It has to be sustainable. If it's not sustainable, then once again, you're going to fall off the wagon. The wagon doesn't exist, by the way. (laughs) Fall off the wagon. You're going to feel like a failure. You're going to think you need more willpower. You're going to end up right back where you are. So if it's not like if you think, oh, well, I can't do this when I travel or, oh, I can't, I don't want to do this for more than like a month or two, like then don't do it. It's not going to help you long term. Okay. That's a great takeaway, honestly. Yeah, that's good to know. So if someone wants to, you know, slim down, what do you suggest they do or what foods would you suggest they avoid and what types should they be focusing on more? If you want to slim down, my first question is why? (laughs) My second response to that would be um, truly my clients don't avoid foods unless they have an adverse reaction. So there's nothing that they should be eliminating from their diet I would say really the most important thing to look at first is your foundation. I, when people start getting into like, oh, I need to take a supplement or, oh, I need to eat at this time of day or, you know, nitpicky things like that. I like to say that they're mowing the lawn with the house on fire. You have (laughs) to take care of the big things first. Okay. Enough water. Enough water for most people is about half your body weight in ounces. So for easy math, if you weigh 200 pounds, aim for 100 ounces. Of course, if you are in a super hot climate or you're working out extra, then you'll probably need more than that. Are you sleeping seven to nine hours every single night? If the answer is no, then you have not earned the right to try other fancy things. Um, are you using food or alcohol as a coping mechanism? If the answer is yes, then again, like these are all basic things that you should not be thinking about what foods to eat or when or supplements or any of this fancy bullshit until all of these things are in check. Women, are your periods normal? Because if your periods are irregular or super painful or super heavy or non-existent, That's your body telling you that something is not quite right. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're not sleeping well, 
that's usually a sign that something's not quite right. If you're not pooping every day, that is a sign that something's not quite right. So like these (laughs) basics have to be in check first. Water, sleep, emotional wellness. Are you moving your body? And not just at the gym, like you could work out really hard for an hour, but if you're sitting on your ass for the other 23 hours of the day, like try to get some more movement in. There are so many things that we can tweak first before we start making changes. And if all of those are in check and you're sitting there and you're like, yes, yes, yes. Like this is all great. I have a great relationship with food. I have a great relationship with my body. That's another huge one. You cannot come from a place of hate. You have to come from a place of love. You should never just want to change your body and what it looks like because you hate it. If Mm. you don't, it's like money. I actually relate money and food to one another quite frequently. If you can't appreciate the amount of money you have now, then you won't appreciate having more. If you cannot appreciate all the badass things that your body does for you now, then being smaller is not going to change that, which goes back to why do you want to lean out? Um, So true though. So like, these are the things that people don't think about. And then they come to me and they're like, shit, I did not know I was getting into all this. (laughs) 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 But really like, again, eat foods you like that make you feel good. Um, I'm also a big proponent for adding rather than taking away. So how can you add some more water? How can you add some extra sleep? How can you add some movement? How can you add some more vegetables or fruits or, you know, whatever protein women in general tend to be really low on protein. So like, how can you add just a little bit more of these things adding rather than subtracting takes us out of that restrictive mindset. And then we don't binge and we don't feel deprived and it's just, people tend to be a lot more successful. So then on the flip side, if someone's not wanting to slim down, they're more so wanting to gain like muscle tone, what should their nutrition plan or path be? Eat a lot and lift a lot and sleep okay. a lot. <laughs> um, I, I will say there's a difference between um, a clean bulk and a dirty bulk. A dirty bulk is where you just eat like everything. You go get fast food and you eat donuts and ice cream and pizza and whatever because you're just trying to put on weight. That can help you put on weight, but more of it will be fat than muscle. And Mm -hmm. I am a huge proponent, again, of like sustainability. And that's not sustainable. And if you are risking your health, that's a problem. Um, So a clean bulk would essentially be, you know, you're adding extra carbs that are high quality, you're adding some extra protein, you're adding fat that's coming from things like avocado and nuts and fattier meats. You know, if you always eat chicken breast, you can eat chicken thigh. If you're always eating um, like 99% lean ground meat, which tastes like styrofoam, off for like 85-15. Those are some great ways to increase your caloric intake as well as if you're feeling really full, Mm -hmm. um, which can be an issue. Uh, Thinking about food volume. So things like protein bars that have a lot of calories, but they don't physically take up a lot of space in your body will help you get extra calories. And also just really focusing on recovery because when we're in a muscle building phase, the point is to really grow those muscles. And that doesn't happen if we aren't recovering. 
and we can't give it all in our workouts. We should always be focusing on recovery, but I think it's especially important if you're going into a muscle building phase Mm -hmm. or weight gain phase, whichever it is. You might not want muscle. You might just want mass. So. Okay. Makes sense. So what's the best food for like pre-workouts or post-workout or any products you suggest? I don't do a lot of supplements. Um, I actually, the only thing to really keep in mind is pre-workout, you want to make sure, depending on your workout, that you're eating something that's going to sit well. Um, if you've got like a really cardio-heavy class or like hit class or something like that, then I would avoid eating anything within like 30 minutes just so that your body has a chance to digest a little bit before you go shake it all up. Yeah, right. And in general, too much fiber or too much fat right around your workouts, um, those actually cause slower absorption of carbohydrates. Carbohydrates are what give us fuel for our workouts and aid in recovery. So carb and protein before, carb and protein after. You can do some fat afterward as well, especially if you don't have another workout shortly. If you're doing like two-a-days or something like that, then I would really just stick to fats like before bed or during the part of the day where you're sitting because otherwise we're blocking the fuel from getting where it needs to go essentially or slowing the fuel from getting to where it needs to go. Mm. The main thing with recovery is eating after. Um, A lot of people make the mistake of just having a protein shake. And the problem with that is that if we're doing an intense workout, our glycogen stores are depleted and glycogen is a sugar And so what happens, our bodies are really smart and they can change things into what we need. So if we only are taking in protein, which is for muscle recovery, then what happens is our body converts that protein into glucose to replenish our glycogen stores. And then there's not any protein left for the muscle recovery. And then we get super sore. So if you're feeling really sore after workouts, make sure that you're having carbs and protein. And it doesn't have to be a shake. I have, I've been working out at home since March, really, because of COVID. So I don't have a very long walk to get to the kitchen and like just make a meal. The only time I ever really did shakes was if I had super long workouts where I had an intra shake during my workout, Mm -hmm. or if I was like going somewhere after and I didn't have a chance to eat. Food is optimal to supplements always because our bodies don't absorb the nutrients from supplements the same way they do from food. So really just having a meal after your workout is the best option. If you're the kind of person who gets like you're not hungry after a workout because you feel like you're going to barf, give yourself a bit to settle down and make sure that you get electrolyte. That's another mistake I see is that people just chug water, 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 and they don't take in any electrolyte. And so dehydration and hyponatremia can happen based on our fluid to sodium balance. And so if we're not getting electrolytes, which are calcium, sodium, selenium, magnesium, all of those good things that people don't really need all the details about, um, (laughs) then we can feel dehydrated and that also impacts our recovery as well. Very interesting. I'm digesting it all. Right. I can. No pun intended. Stuff so hard. I (laughs) knew that I would be like a science nerd, but here we are. (laughs) Well, so kind of switching gears, your other certification is a mindset coach. So what all does that entail and what role does mindset play like when it comes to nutrition? 
Yeah. So that is actually not something that I have a separate certification for. Okay. Um, precision nutrition, the way that the course is laid out, the first half of the textbook is all the sciencey food stuff. And the second half of the textbook is coaching and mindset work and psychology. And so they really go hand in hand. And that's just something that I chose to take on as part of my title so that people had a better idea of what they were getting into and they weren't mm-hmm. as surprised when I throw all of this other stuff at them. The mindset stuff is really, it kind of ties back with the question that Diana asked, what do you see most often? Mm-hmm. Um, because of the diet industry, so many people just have a horrible relationship with food. They have a horrible relationship with their bodies. They have very low self-worth. They don't know how to put themselves first. And what I've obviously learned a lot over the year and a half that I've been coaching, but one of the things that was a surprising thing that I learned is that if people don't have self-worth, then they don't do the work because they don't think that they're worth it. Mm. So that is something that I've really kind of started harping on more recently, especially in my messaging on social media and a lot with my clients. Um, I've tried to make a really big deal out of their mindset accomplishments, which are harder to measure. It's really easy to measure when you lose five pounds or 10 pounds or get PR on a lift or whatever. It's a lot harder to measure these accomplishments and achievements with our mind. I noticed after working with a couple of clients for a long time that just weren't making progress. And like, I felt like a failure as a coach. And then I really sat down and thought about it. And I was like, you know what? This person isn't putting themselves first. And to me, that says that they don't think they're worth it. And they, regardless of what this is, again, this could be money mindset issues. This could be relationship issues. If you don't think that you're worth it, you're not going to get it. And if you don't truly value yourself enough to say like, no, you know what? I deserve to feel good. I deserve to be healthy. I deserve to put myself first. Then it's not going to happen because, you know, you don't just pay me money and all of a sudden you're transformed. (laughs) Like, right. Yeah. (laughs) Like, don't get me wrong. A lot of people are just too scared to make the investment and they literally live their whole lives too scared to make the investment. So making the investment is a huge hurdle and obviously an important first step, but that's only the first step. You still have to do the work and I am not responsible for your transformation, which I have to repeat to myself as a coach because I want to help everyone and I want to be responsible for everyone's transformation. But, you know, if I think about my own work with my business coach, like she's not responsible for what I'm doing outside of our calls. I am. And I have to know that I am worth it and my business is worth it. And these people need me. And if I don't think that it's not going to happen. And so that mindset has to be there in order for people to make the progress that they want. I think, you know, Sometimes we can make adjustments to food and activity and things like that, and people will make progress, but not to the extent that they could if they took their walls down and got vulnerable and looked inside and worked through past conditioning. Because a lot of this does come from the diet industry, but I have a client right now who was like, my mom was a model 
And mm-hmm. we were constantly on diets as kids. Like this fucks your whole brain for the rest of your life. Yeah. So unlearning is a huge part of what I do. And it's very frustrating because people come in thinking that they're learning something new, which is already difficult. Right. But the first step is actually to unlearn years and years and years and years of habits and conditioning before we can learn new things. And so again, like if you don't think that you're worth that transformation and you're worth the work, it's not going to happen. I think it's a great thing that you point out both Diana and I, we used to be competitive gymnasts and with that comes the stigma of being slender. Mm -hmm. And so trying to break from that habit post-college life was definitely an adjustment, but it took huge time and work to not go into an unhealthy state. A hundred percent. Yeah. Sports do dance is another big one. Mm -hmm. Wrestling for guys. I have talked to men who had eating disorder, like they had body dysmorphia because of wrestling and spitting in a cup and all Mm -hmm. of it. Yeah. It's, and undoing that is so hard. It is. It is. Yeah. (laughs) If one of us or our listeners uh, reached out to you, how would the process go? Great question. So I spend a lot of time chatting in the DMs with people. (laughs) Um, I do. I love people. Obviously, I'm very outgoing. I love talking to people. If I could get paid to just like talk to people on social media or on Zoom or whatever all day long, like I would be rolling in. (laughs) Um, Typically, I get referrals or I get people from Instagram. Mm -hmm. Um, My very first clients were all friends or acquaintances. So like holler at them for making me start this business essentially. But once I had enough clients that people were referring out and I had somewhat of a social media following, um, still waiting for the swipe up, man, I cannot wait. Uh, (laughs) You told me like 3000 followers, you get a swipe up. I'd be like, okay, we're having a contest. Like we're, (laughs) we're going to get there. I'm not that close to 10,000. But now that I have some people on Instagram following me for this reason, um, I just in the past few months started focusing more on marketing myself on Instagram. It's still a little bit of a hodgepodge. Uh, It's fine. You'll see like a cat picture randomly, but (laughs) nothing wrong with that. I know, right? Um, I think I've got a cat post for Saturday, actually. Catterday. Um, Catterday, really yes. cool, I swear. <laughs> so typically they reach out. I ask some basic questions, you know, like, what are your struggles? What are your goals? I'm always open to answer like a simple question just in the DMs. I hate, however, when people are like, hey, I just want to pick your brain. Like, just don't do that. Oh. Simple questions are fine, but like, don't text me and be like, hey, can you call me so I can ask you all these questions? Like, no, I'll charge you my hourly rate, just like everyone else. But building relationships is huge. If someone's like, no, I'm in, like, I want to do this, then I have an application, which is also something that's kind of new because, again, I was finding that people liked the idea of having a coach, but they didn't want to do the work. So I have an application now. It's nothing crazy. It's only a handful of questions, but basically just asking like, why are you seeking out help from a coach? What do you feel has been blocking you from achieving your goals in the past? Are you willing and able and ready to invest the time and money and energy that this is going to take? 
And then I have a disclaimer because I am not a weight loss coach. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm not. Many right. of my clients lose weight as a result of healthier habits. I never market myself as a weight loss coach. And so I have a disclaimer that says like the work that we do together, I can pretty much guarantee will make you healthier. I cannot guarantee that this is going to help you lose weight. Are you still willing to invest knowing that you may not lose weight? Because I don't want any, I want to make sure the expectations are there. Then once they fill out their application and everything is like, yes, I'm ready. I get it. Let's do this shit. Then I send an email to them to schedule a free consultation call. This is a 30-minute call just so that we can jam out, get to know each other, make sure that we're a good fit. This is really personal stuff. So not only do I want to make sure that I don't need to refer out for issues that I'm not comfortable handling, mm-hmm. but also I want to make sure that we vibe as people because like, we're going to be talking about poop. We're going to be talking about your period. We're going to be talking about shit that might come up that you didn't even know was there. Like I have clients cry on the phone because are on our check-in calls because something comes up for them in our conversations. And so like, if that's not a comfortable thing, then I have a whole list of amazing coaches that might just be a better fit. So uh, like, if you don't like someone who swears, then we definitely should not work. (laughs) (laughs) After the consultation call, at that point, the ball's in their court. You know, I have this package. I do email only. I do all access. I have a group coaching program that's wrapping up now. I'm not launching again until January. But if I get calls in like November, late November and December, then that's an option as well. So I might say, you know, I've got this group program. I've got one-on-one, which is a better fit. Uh, many people had opted for the group coaching. I think you know, to COVID, people aren't hanging out as much. Their communities have diminished a bit. So it was more appealing, I think, for people to learn and grow in a group, though I'm always an advocate for that. And I learned so much more from groups than I do from individuals. And that's it. Then we get signed up. I'm about to enforce a three-month minimum because it takes time. Right. Yeah. Most of the coaches I know have a three month minimum and I just have been like, oh no, it's cool. Like we don't need that. But I think everyone needs that. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I have clients who work with me for, you know, five, six months. And I have other clients who have been working with me for the entire year and a half that I've been coaching. And like, we're not there yet. So it just really depends on where they're starting, where they're trying to go. And then I don't want to say their level of investment, but some of us just have more resources and time and energy than others. You know, if you're a mom of three and you stay at home, obviously you're not going to have the same time to commit to this as someone who lives by themselves. So whatever obstacles are there, like no shame in that at all, if you move more slowly than someone else, but that's something that people often don't recognize. But yeah, that's pretty much it. I have an application in my Instagram bio. I try to make it super easy for people to find. Um, yeah. Awesome. Now, I know that COVID has changed up your pace since you've started your coaching over a year and a half ago, but what does a typical work day look like for you? So I actually started my business online and my first three clients all lived in Iowa and I am in okay. So COVID actually was great for my business, <laughs> um, but I am, um, so I'm a half-time middle school choir teacher. 
And then quote unquote, halftime coach, it's like full-time coach, halftime choir teacher, really. Um, so I get up and I work at school from 8.30 to 12.30 every day. And then um, I was really sad. I Last year I worked from like 10 to 2.30. So I got up and had like a nice leisurely morning and ate breakfast and whatever. And now it's like, I wake up and throw my hair up and put on dress clothes and make a smoothie to drink in the car on my way to work. So when I get home from teaching, I take a solid like hour and a half to do what most people would call a morning routine. I sit down, I eat lunch, I meditate, I journal if I need to. I don't always feel like I need to journal. Sometimes things come up and I journal. I go for a walk, listen to a podcast, I read. And then that's kind of my transition from teacher to coach. And so depending on the day, I'll have client check-ins. Most of my clients are email only, Mm -hmm. which just means that we are communicating all through. I use software that has in-app messaging, basically. So they can message me 24 hours. Um, I obviously don't respond immediately to all of these. (laughs) not on the clock 24-7, but I'll spend time going through, you know, a couple hours checking on clients going back and forth with them if they're at their computer on their app, answer questions, make sure if I haven't heard from someone in a couple days that I'm reaching out. What else? I don't know. Recording podcasts. Usually, although the last couple weeks I have been crazy. And so I've only gotten like two or three workouts in, but I have far less of an excuse now that my gym is in my garage. So I don't drive anywhere, but yeah. And then my husband works until six or seven usually. And so I try to wrap things up about the time he's getting home so that we can spend time together in the evenings. That's pretty much it. Saturdays I work usually cause he works Saturdays. Um, so he's not home. So that's my day to like sleep in and do my actual morning routine in the morning. I do all the same things. I just do it in the morning instead of at 1 PM. And then sometimes have events. I've got an event tonight with um, Dallas Fitness Ambassadors. We're doing an outdoor workout. Ooh. Doing outdoor workouts. So it's still like I, today it's cold. It's like 75 here in Dallas, but cold. Yeah, that's cold. <laughs> but yesterday it was 91. So like we're still outside doing workouts. But wow. Well, those sound like very long days. They are. Um, I've really been taking some more time than I used to on Sundays to kind of disconnect. There was a time where I posted on Instagram every single day. And like now on Sundays, I don't post. I still get on social usually, but sometimes I don't. Walks have been really great. It's my favorite COVID habit that I've developed is going on walks. So that's helpful. I've always kind of just been go, go, go being in music and sports. That's just all I really know. (laughs) So it feels normal though. Some weeks like this week, I has been insane and I am excited to have a day off this weekend at some point, but yes, get a nice full day of relaxation. Yes. It's our anniversary on Monday. So we're going to hang out and drive to Oklahoma and go to a safari. That's a thing, I guess. So that's what we're doing on Monday. So I'm going to See some giraffes and lions from the car. <laughs> okay. That sounds pretty cool. Very yeah. cool. So that's our relaxing Sunday. <laughs> Just so, hanging with the critters. Right. And what's something you want our listeners to take away from this episode? You know your body more than anyone else in the whole wide world. 
I think that that is something that people never really get permission for. You are your biggest advocate. And I tell my clients this all the time. If I recommend something and it doesn't feel good, you tell me. If your doctor recommends something that doesn't feel good, you tell them. And I didn't know that I could advocate for myself. I didn't know that going on hormonal birth control was not actually a fix for bad periods and that we can fix that with our lifestyle. You know when something's not right. Also, you are worth whatever it is that you can dream of. If you can dream it, then you can have it and you can do it. So if you, it's so freaking cliche when people say, if you're waiting for a sign, this is it. But like, really, if you're waiting for permission, whether that's, you know, to get help with lifestyle things, whether that's to hire a therapist, which I'm a huge advocate for therapy, whatever it is, if you're looking for permission, I got you. I will give you permission for sure. Though I'm also a huge proponent of ask for forgiveness, not permission. So I was just going to say that (laughs) it's worked out so far for me. Um, Not to say I've never gotten in trouble, but here we are kicking. Well, lastly, where can we tell our listeners to go to learn more about you and your coaching opportunities? Yeah. So I do have a free Facebook group that you can join through Instagram. I have to say I much prefer Instagram to Facebook. So like random friend requests on Facebook, not going to accept. But um, I'm on Instagram at lara.days and it's L-A-R-A. I know it's weird. It's not, There's no you. Been trying to buy a vowel for my whole life. Just L-A-R-A.D-A-Y-S. <laughs> like days of the week. Um, I spend most of my social media time on Instagram. Love to connect with people there. Um, and my website is laraelizabethcoaching.com. Super simple. I've got a contact form on there if that is better for you than Instagram. But I also, if you find me on Instagram, I have links to everything. I've got free downloads for you, my free Facebook group, probably some podcast episodes. Uh, whatever it is you need. And if it's not there and you need it, then DM me and we'll figure it out. (laughs) Easy enough. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us and discuss all this wealth of knowledge on nutrition and mindset. And we're just glad to have you on here. It was so fun. Thank you guys for having me. It was a blast. Thanks for listening to today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to follow, subscribe, and share our podcast. Everything will be linked in the show notes below. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Peace.